our souls in this hour, Father God. Lead us to the path of righteousness for your name's sake. Thank you, Lord, for creating us a clean heart and renewing us a steadfast spirit, spirit, Father God. We thank you, Lord, that you saved us, Father. Not about what the righteousness that we have done, Father, but a choice to your mercy, Lord. We thank you that you saved us, Lord, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' mighty name we do pray. Amen amen. So as we go forth again, our lesson and our, we want to focus on our lesson today of practicing justice. And we're going to do our reading, and we're going to go to the book of Colossians for our reading of this hour. And we are going to Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 to 17. As we go forth with the reading, the reading out of the King James Version. So we just want to go forth. So in first chap- chapter 3 in the book of Colossians, verse 5 reads, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, fornication, uncleanliness, in order of fashion, affection, evil, conscription, and covetousness, which is idolatry. This is said, for which things take the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Verse 7, in which we have also, in which we also walk sometimes when we live in them. Verse 8, it says, But now we also put off all these anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. In verse 9, it reads, Lie not one to another, even that ye have put off the old man with his feet. In verse 10, it reads, And have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, righteous, bond, nor free, but Christ is potent in all. In verse 12, we put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, Vows of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering. And 13, it is forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do you. And 14, it is, and above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And 15, it is, and let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also we are called in one body. Be ye thankful. 15 and 17. Let the word dwell in you richly, in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Seventeen says, and whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. So as we just thank God for, um, as it speaks in His passage, sixteen, thank Him for the teaching and the admonishing. Of yours. So we just read out of Colossians, the book of Colossians, in verse uh, chapter 3, verse 5 to 17. So as we kind of go and get a little history of Colossians, as we know, the book of Colossians was written um, from from Rome, and it was sent with the Ephesians and Philemon by Tychias. So the author of Colossians. Paul, 
And what Paul wanted to get to the body of or the, the people of the Colossians or Colossians, he basically wanted them to understand as a people the freedom from the law and all outward form of religion, any rituals, any human philosophy, any false mysticism, and he wanted them to complete a real union with Christ in life. Now, in this time, um, Paul is actually speaking to the Colossians, and he wants them to understand um, in this letter. You know, Paul wrote four letters from prison. So in this particular letter to the Colossians, he wanted them to understand that um, he wanted them to consider the church that was in Colossus. And in this town, there were, um, the church was made up primarily of Gentiles. And so what Paul wanted them to understand that as we come into this chapter, he wanted the people of Colossus, which is the church of Gentiles, he wanted them to follow the opening doctrine, the section with practical teaching, which is, this section that we're going over, how to live out the great truth. And this means that the behavior, their behavior should be important to God's standards, not earthly standards, conduct themselves in expectations of Christ's return. And this way, this exhortation, uh, this is a way of exhorting them not to be engaged in activities um, that would embarrass themselves of the word of God. But it also speaks about this practical holiness, and it's shown to spring from a truth and a faith that's in God. He wanted people, Paul wants people to know in this time, as we are also Gentiles, that one cannot grow in Christ, but he may grow in the knowledge, experience, and fullness of benefits by virtue of being in Christ and walking in the light. Now, when I read the summary of the Colossians, the book of Colossians, they also take a look. It says, see the Romans. So as we kind of tie that into the book and the summary of Romans, the Romans will actually read another letter from Paul, which was written to the Corinth, and we're not going to go too deep in it. But it says, Paul was the opposite, and the apostle to the Gentiles. In this time with Paul, it said it was a calling upon Saul. And it speaks about how the Pharisees educated at Jerusalem. It was a Roman citizen. It was the persecution of Christians. Now, we're talking, as you said, to see what the, the, the uh, branding comes from Romans as well. Now, Romans is the first in order of the epistles. But doctrinally and in a painfully order, the rightly so, where it contains Christian education. Until the lesson that is given is also given now as we read in the book of Colossians, where Paul wants us to understand the Christian principles. And in this, it's a doctrinal section that we all have to understand that God's method of dealing with Jews and Gentiles individually is pictured in this doctrinal section. And their relationship is dispensational and it's given. It's given in the understanding of who we are as Gentiles, who we are as believers, and who we are as Paul wanted us to know who died with Christ. And the ordinance that we have to understand that the dead forms of religion. We have to understand the observation or the observance of Sabbath and holy days. We have to now walk in that practical holiness that's shown, as it says, by truth and by the faith of God. So even as we go forward, that's a history of it. Be sure to um, visit, not visit, but be sure to do your study as we practice justice in this hour. Um, the reference scripture is the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 5 through 17. Now, as we go forth, we just want to understand that our, we want to keep in mind the, the, uh, the passage or the verse, Colossians chapter 3 and 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, vows of mercy, 
kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long suffering. Keep that one first in mind until we get to that verse. But we also want to begin to open this passage in Colossians chapter 3. We want to understand the significance of being clothed in Christ for living justly in the world. We also want to appreciate ways others have demonstrated being clothed in Christ. And we want to commit to live justly. So as we continue in the book of Colossians in the third chapter, we're going to start back with uh, verse 5, 5 through 9. And it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth, born of patience and cleanliness and ordinance, in ordinance, affection, evil, unsuitedness, and covetousness, which both lead together. I'm pronouncing and covenant is an idolatry. For which thing says the wrath of God cometh on the Christians is so in the which also walk sometime when you live in them. But now ye also put off the same wrath, malice, blasphemy, fifty communications out of your mouth, lie not one to another, then that ye have put off the old man. With his feet. So that is verse 5 through 9. So as we break down um, some of the, some of the words and some of the things that we have to begin to understand how to move just, how to move practicing this just that it speaks about. So as we continue to go forth, I also want to, you know, bring you apart why this is so important in this time. In this day of age, in this time, in this season, in this year, in this month, and and as God speaks and we pray for a rhema word, as we pray for a word that helps the body of Christ to begin to go from exhortation, as it speaks in this chapter, exhortation to Christian living, to Christian living, and as we take a look at today. We want to understand what this justice looks like in the body. So justice has become a thing about public display. And this is what justice looks like without the hand of God or without the mind of Christ or without living in a Christian, uh, with the Christian principles of Christ that he has already died upon, the cross for us. So justice now in the sight of men is protecting rights of enacting policies, um, justice has been the focus of many marches and protests, and this this could be a good thing. As we know the the civil rights that um, all of our great leaders fought for, so we want to understand now that in the New Testament, the view of justice that begins within it, it expresses itself outwardly in public places. So God wants to raise up a people that is moving in these policies that protecting justice, that um, practicing the um, the protection of God's people on a social level, on an economic level, on a level where it, it brings faith and truth to justice. And in this passage, it exhorts the Christians, it exhorts us as Christians to not only work for justice, but also live it. And it is enough. It's not enough for us to organize and fight for civil rights if our personal lives are not organized around righteousness. Now, God also wants us to understand that if Christ is our advocate, then real advocacy for justice starts in our hearts. It starts in our lifestyle. It starts with the way that we treat people around us. And it boils down to Christ commanding to love one our neighbor as ourselves. And that's his commandment. That was his original command. Love your set. Love God with all your heart, mind, body, and soul, and love um, yourself as your neighbor. Love your neighbor as yourself. He says it boils down to those two commands. So for many people today, if we don't come into the truth as it spoke about, the truth and the faith in God as we go into the book of Colossians, if we don't come into that truth, then we're actually living in that as the children of disobedience. 
if we don't come into the knowledge of what the truth that sets us free, then we are pretty much operating in a spirit that is lying, the lying spirit. So it's common for those who don't want to, you know, understand the responsibility of what justice looks like in their lives, in your personal life, what justice looks like if you advocate in your heart or your lifestyle. So for for a lot of people to believe um, the truth about what hurts them, what makes them uncomfortable, what makes us ruin, uh, think that because we do not understand the truth about what's ruining our reputation, we sometimes get into trouble or we cause ourselves to uh, accept the lie instead of accepting God's truth. So we're going to thank God for bringing us into the knowledge of truth about what justifies, how we try to justify and lie in creative ways Something so as uh, now in this hour, as we are in the midst of uh, understanding what principles of justice look like, it is us to tell the truth. So if lying is any form considered part of our old life, now let's just look at the things that we have to put off and the things that we have to put on. As I read this passage, I once prayed before. Clothe me in righteousness. And God, he did pretty much the series of gave me the utterance of speaking about his armor. And so what we want to realize in this hour is how do we be clothed in righteousness, clothed with justice, and clothed to practice that. So first we're going to look at verse 5, the word mortify. As we are in the book of Colossians, we are in the third chapter. Mortify means to put off what's the fit to death. And in verse 5, it says, Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. So in this putting us to death, it says, To be dead, the same meaning as to mortify is also found in Romans 8 and 13. Uh, to mortify means that... Um, as we come to a place in, in the flesh, as we come to a place when the flesh rises up, uh, we put off those things. We put off the things that we understand as in this passage is speaks about. We put those things off so that we can walk and practice the principles of justice. So those five things that we mentioned in Scripture to put off, we put off these things in order for us to understand how to put on the new one. So the old man is considered of these five things. You have to begin to put off those things that So you couldn't to death these things. So you got to mortify these things in our body, which is the fornication that speaks of any manner of unlawful sexual relationship. You put off uncleanliness any homosexuality or all other forms of sex conversion, the inordinate affection. We put these things off. These things should be dead in us as we raised up in Christ. We put not unnatural, unrestrained, excessive and out of bound passion, any bounds of lust. We put off evil concupiscence, which is the evil or the wicked or the praise the five desires of lust or passion or appetite. And we also have to understand this covetousness. We must get off. Uh, and as the book of Colossians helps us to understand that, we have to move in the need of what Christ has changed and completed. So when the freedom from law is just understanding the truth of what it is that we have to put off. So here is Paul covenant, which is also idolatry, because the thing that we covet becomes an idol. And as well as being the fifth sin, it's also mainly a section in that thing to be clear from the fact that it is listed above the four other sins. So mainly just understanding how, even if you go back and we look at the life of Adam and Eve, and we're not going to go deep. But we keep knowing what 
cause them to be uh, revealed, revealing in the in, in the uh, garden, Adam and Eve when they were in the garden. Whatever was revealing to them, that is what they kind of like feel temptation, feel to get temptation. And from, even from their apple, it just exposed them, and they were no longer clean in that way. So you look at these things that you put to death. You look at the uncleanness. You look at the evil constitution. You look at the covenant. These things still exist if you are not putting things to death as you walk out your Christian faith. So as we even continue to go forth, we want to look at... Um, Go to verse six. For which these things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. And as we want to look at what these things that we say the wrath, we want to look at the children of disobedience. So as we go to Ephesians chapter two, verse two to three. In Ephesians, it speaks about the children of disobedience in chapter 3. This is the King James Bible. So, speaking through these, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and whereby nature the children of wrath even as others. So as we look at verse 6, it says, For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience? So we want to understand that before, as we connect line upon word, precept upon precept, it tells us the things that God's wrath is placed upon, the things how we as believers, if we are disobedient, the wrath that follows us, the wrath that um, God placed upon the children of disobedience, and it's not like uh, we can't give back into God's will, but if we're not living a life that is forgiven, if we're not living a life where we're putting on the exhortation to practice this, and this is what we're speaking about as we continue to go forward, we're practicing, we understand the practical knowledge of walking in Christian living, that justice that works within. So if we need to look at these passages as if this is the way that God is warning us, Paul came to warn the people, he came to warn the what mainly was the church of promotions in this time was the Gentiles. So look at this as a warning of what we have to put off in our life. And in this passage, you must understand that putting off these things and putting on what God is telling us to put on in this time will now continue to help us. It will help us as a people. Today it will begin to open up our hearts and it begins to allow us to move in the new territory allow us to move in new areas, allow us to move so that we can now provide as the body of Christ, as the church for the people. This is what God is telling us. He's telling us how to live a Christian life so that now justice can be brought forth through the church through the people, through the body of Christ. So I don't want to stay long on it because it is a it's a passion to understand the hand of God that is moving not just in your life, but is moving in the lives of those around you, that is moving in the land that has already performed. And then you look at a people and you don't, you, you you put your expectation people. You begin to put your expectation on the people when they also in it in all times supposed to have been looking unto the Lord, for which cometh everything that you expected. But in the body of Christ, for some reason, expectations have become a thing of men. And God's word has a voice. 
God's word has become in the minds of people that are walking in disobedience that is in the church. His word never goes out and come back void. But when the expectation is not upon what God has spoken, his word, the putting on and the putting off of these things, then that's what is happening. That's the result of his wrath upon those that are not walking in obedience. So as we continue to go forth in seven seven, in which we also walk sometimes when we live in them. That sometimes. And we know we need to walk in God's word all the time. We need to be able to understand how our heart and our mind he said repent was crucial gets us back into the place of righteousness. Unforgiveness gets us back into the place of righteousness. So the things that we put off, we want to look at these things that we put off in if we go to Ephesians 4 and 20, things that we put off, he said, but ye have also, but ye have not so learned Christ. And that's in Ephesians 4 and 20. And that passage helps us to understand that um, as we live a life of Christ, these things that we put off, we now have to begin to understand what these things are. So as I said, it shows us that these things are these are things that we expect, that we are supposed to expect to move in as we walk out our Christian life. And it says that we put off these things to learn of Christ. We put off these things, as it's mentioned, these things that we're supposed to be dead to, the things we're supposed to put to death or mortify our bodies in. We put off these things to learn about Christ, to hear and be caught by Christ, to be able to put off the old man, to be renewed in our mind and our attitude. We also must put away the this line and speak the truth. Must be angry without sinning. Give no place to the devil. We need to quit stealing. We need to work for a living. Give to the poor and the needy. Um, be kind, tenderhearted, walk in love. So this is just some of the things that we need to, the reason why we need to put off. And we need to put on the mind of Christ. We need to put on this justice, this practice in a Christian living. Those are some of the things. But in, as we go forth in verse 9, it says, Lie not one to another. Lie not one to another. Seeing that ye have put off the old man with his deeds. And the old man, as we can understand, as it goes forward in verse 10, as we are coming out of the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 10, it says, The old man. As we put off the old man, in verse 10, it tells us what to put on. So even the things that we just spoke about, now we're putting on what causes us to go from education, exhortation to Christian living, what causes us to be able to put our hands to the plow, have our feet standing upon the rock. And what did he tell Peter? He said, upon this rock, you build my church. So as we move forward in understanding that we are co-laboring with God to the building of what Christ has already decreed and declared. So in our personal life, our lifestyle must be the same as Christ because we are believers of Christ. We are the Gentiles. We are those that Paul was speaking to in this time. So our Christian living must begin to line up with the things that God has already placed upon the earth has already placed, he already sent his son to be an example of what the new life is. So this new life looks like verse 10. It says, and have put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge, after the image of him that created him, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond, nor free, but... Christ is all and in all. So this putting on of this new man, it helps us 
understand that um, as we put on the new man, we're putting on these vows of mercy, and it's coming up in the next chapter, in the next verse in 12. We put on this time, we put on humbleness of mind. So this helps us understand that these things must know how to put them on. Well, let's see how you put them on. How would, how would we come to the dying of self, as the scripture says, deny yourself or decrease so that we can increase? So just take a, a, a reflection back and says the mortifying that we bring ourselves to part. We're putting off immortality, impurity, any passions of uh, affection. We're putting off the evil desire. We're putting off greed, the covenant, uh, the desire for longing for something that is forbidden. We're putting off these filthy things to put on a thing that helps us to be now walking in the new spirit, now walking with the new spirit in a clean heart. So as Paul helps us to understand, we want the life that God has created for us. So what we ask ourselves, so what are we worshiping and what are we serving today? So we got to look at what it is that God wants to dress us in because God's clothing of righteousness is all we need to walk in these practical principles of justice. So as we're coming out of Colossians, the Colossians, chapter 3, we're going through verse 5 through 17. We are now looking at the things that we put on. So as we put on the new man, as we put on the new man, we want to understand what this looks like. So it tells us as we go forth in verse 12. Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, hope and beloved, bowels of kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, and long-suffering. So how do we put on kindness? So as I look up kindness, it has these Greek words. I look up the words, and I'm not going to try to pronounce them, but we're going to get the understanding of what kindness is. And if you need to ever understand them, I have heard a positive statement speak these words before. So you can always, you know, um, do your um, study and bring it back to a positive. But kindness means the goodness, the generosity, always seeking the highest good in others. Kindness is an attitude that always shows itself in action. It reaches out and touches people. Now keep in mind these things and the definitions that I'm defining is helping us to understand what we're actually putting on. Because if we always surface the scripture as if it is just we're reading and we're never, we never go deep into the depth and the love and the depth and the height of what God is saying about his words that he's given us, then we never understand how to operate, how to give to his people. So humility is an attitude of self-evaluation that recognizes one's own weakness and failure, but it also is the power of God working through that person. And this is the kind of person that God wants us to be in his kingdom. This is what Paul was telling us the Colossians in this time, which was um, the church of Colossus, was mainly Gentiles. He's telling them at this time, so God been speaking to us for a long time. So if you look at what time we're living in and the darkness that has um, invaded and have come to capture the people uh, of disobedience, and now you have to look at ourselves and see how we should be God. You know, you you got to every day you have to understand are you living? We we accepted the life of Christ, but are we living? Is our lifestyle matching up? Because in in the we walk by faith, but in the time that we living in, the children of darkness are more pure. It's easy. So if you go back to humility, it said this is the kind of people that God want to hit people. He wants people with an attitude of humility. He wants that wholesome thing that lacking to paint any arrogance. If there is any false humility, it is deceitful. And as God told us, our hearts is deceitful. But if we're not renewed in our mind, that if we're not living out the justice that is from an inward, 
and a, a perception of who we are from inside, then what are we actually living? He also speaks about the credentials, and it's also often translated as weakness. Now, mind you, these also sound like the fruit of the spirit, which it is. So it represents what it is that we must understand in this time, how crucial it is to walk in these principles. He says gentleness is also meekness. And it's from an intercessive point and an intercessive, intercessive responsibility. We must always remain gentle. We must always remain meek. How you worship, that's how you worship God in that position. But it's really the power, really the power that God has invested through that um, gentleness that is strong. But it's humble, it's courteous, it's considerate. It does not imply weakness, and a better word than weakness. Um, uh, it is an obedient submission to the will of God, and it gives strength to put on other characteristics that we um, began to speak about. It is a fruit of the Spirit, as I had mentioned, and it is a beatitude of Christ. So here is the power of that lies within ourselves about the personality uh, that's brought into the submission of the Holy Spirit. And again, as I say, if we are the body of Christ, and we are in the building, then if these things are not present, that building is not being blessed. People nowadays don't want to go. I had a prayer request, and the young lady told me at the end of us praying and talking and, you know, exchanging um, testimony, she said at the end of the message, the reason she didn't want to go back to her church. Well, she didn't even say she didn't want to go back because I encouraged her to go back for whatever the reason that God sent her. And if God is continuing to she told me she was going to sit me. So we got to continue to pray for those who are not in the place where God has called them to be or want to continue to pray for those who need to be in the place, need to, you know, their steps to be ordered. But she told me that the leadership, and this is not to bash the leadership, but this is what it looks like when we're not putting on the mind of Christ, when we're not putting on these things, we're not letting God close us. And righteousness. So if you step out of your door, he said, Blessings you go out and blessings you come in. And we all know ministry starts in the house. But if you step outside your door and you're not clothed with the the clothing and the armor of God, this is what it looks like. She goes into the church, her and her family, and she's, you know, powerful, speaking all types of words, coming from every angle. Her family is unity. So when something disrupts the unity, of your family, this is a concern for you. She had a concern for her daughter. Her daughter is a teenager. And she took it to leadership. And in making it to leadership, gentleness, humility, kindness was not present. It kind of painted her. She wanted to be there. This is where her hometown is. Not many churches get close to her. And she said, leadership told her, don't bring anything to me about my daughter. I'm releasing you. That was the last thing she heard. So in me encouraging her to go back and even in her saying that, this passage helps us to understand where we are as a body of people. It helps us to understand how we got to get back to the place where we move in with the patience of our people. These are not, we on the sign. These are our people, when we in leadership, we took vows, we took oath to God that no matter what your people need, he said to love them as you love yourself. So in this passage, it's just a long suffering. When someone provokes us, it patiently, the patience that we want to understand, it patiently endures when under pressure of life and refuses to retaliate. It is the quality that takes time before action is taken. The bearing with one another has the idea of putting up with one another person. It is to endure, bear with, put up with people and situations. The present tense emphasizes the continual action of the part of the believer. So if this leadership was in place the way they have taken on the responsibility to edify the body of Christ, then these things would happen. 
the wooden by the people that's now looking at the building and the people in the building because they people say the church folks or the church people. But it's actually the people that are operating in leadership that, as I once heard in the revival, they are they have either avoided a mantle and they went forward or they operate out of uh what is that called? Uh you have your baby before time premature premature understanding of what they're calling on. And this is how it affects the people, but we're not gonna go too far and just keep, you know, the body of Christ lifted. It says in uh, Colossians 3 and 13, bearing with one another. This has the idea of putting up with another person and to endure, to bear up with, to be able to um, take the affliction of others. This is where God said that he designed us to move in and gave us the power to be afflicted because he said he would deliver us. He said he'll place his afflictions in our loins. And we can't be afraid of that because we're standing in the power of Almighty. And it's like the word says, greater is he that is in me than them that is in the whole world. But if you don't have and you have not put on these things, then where is the greater? It's not in you. So we want to continue to, uh, as it says, in this bearing with one another, forgive each other. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also we should forgive. I mean, so also we should forgive others. Um, if you can take a look at your life, have you ever been around any complaining lately? And the only solution for the complainers is if they just need to forgive, since Christ has set the example. But the most important moral quality that is about and it speaks about it in verse 14. It says to put on love. God's love is so unconditional that even Christ was like his son, his only begotten son. God, he said, Lord, if this be your will, if it's not, take your cup from me, but if it is, let it so be. God, I mean, Christ wanted to even understand the love that he had for us as people. So now we must understand this love that has called us and God is love. So if we not understanding what to put on it said beyond all things, put on love, which is the perfect as the world say ain't nothing perfect. But God has created us to be perfect in his love. But this is the thing. That perfection don't come from a natural man. It doesn't come from men that's operating in the old thing. For the old way, it comes from us moving in that perfect bond of unity and the newness. On top of all other people, put it on it. So it's nothing that you can, it's nothing that you naturally can see. You have to put it on. It has to become your lifestyle. It has to become your response. And this is what holds all of everything we just spoke about putting on. It, this is what holds everything together. Love is the outer part. It's the belt that binds all things together. Love is the bond that keeps everything in perfect harmony. And the goal is the perfect bond of unity as it speaks, the bond of perfection. This is what we must understand as a body of people. And Paul admonished the leaders to be diligent, to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So this is what Christ said. He said, but I say to you, this is where we can get a chance to look at how we love it. Because people are not the devil. The devil operates through people, and the darkness is what keeps the people in that trend or in that form of being used by the enemy. So here, this is what Christ tells us. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. He also prayed for us in his highest priestly prayer. He said, the glory which you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one. This is Christ saying, I in them and you in me, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know that you sent me and love me even as you have loved me. So this is what Christ was telling us as we receive these principles. This is what it looks like. This is the power of us moving in the body of Christ. Many members get be joined together by what we all support. Everything supplied and given from the source. So we are to pursue these goals 
to be complete in maturity in our relationship with one another. We put on this perfect bond and unity when the love binds all Christians together. And this, this is the ideal of the Christian perfection that should be attained. It says in 15, in verse 15, And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. As the peace of Christ is the umpire that regulates the unity and relationship of the body of Christ. So let the peace of Christ rule in our heart. To which indeed we were called in one body and be thankful. The healthy body preserves the unity in the bond of love, and every believer has a responsibility. Every believer has a responsibility to maintain this oneness. So when sickness comes upon our body, when organs start to shut down, we not living a life that God has told us to be dressed and clothed with on a daily basis. If we don't have these things in place, then we don't understand. And I was like, you don't get an understanding. Also said, if people perish for a lack of knowledge. So when these things start to attack our organs, when these things start to attack the thing that God perfected to kill itself, and we take the word of man and we take the, the word of man because he said the tongue is the most powerful thing. So if we receive all our counsel outside the will of God, then how are we being ignored? How is our body, as it says, the healthy body preserves the unity in the blood of love, in the bond of love? This healthiness comes from God. This healthiness comes from us putting on what it is that he asked us to put on, what it is that God has called us to be renewed to. These are things that God has created us in his image. He said he created us in his image. So this is the thing we must live by. Our heart should be filled with the thankfulness and gratitude for all that God has done, done through Christ Jesus. He is our people, and we have to keep our vital union with him. This union. This unity that God has called us in in this hour helps us to understand how we move for people in justice. How he has given us a heart that is a peace to rule in our hearts for whatever circumstance we face. We must begin to hear what the Apostle Paul was saying. We must begin to hear what the Apostles are speaking now in this day. If God is raising us up, then he's raising us together. He's raising up his apostolic church. He's raising up not just pastors alone. He's raising teachers. He's raising up the leadership of evangelism. He's raising up prophets. He's raising up apostles for this very reason. Because it's time for us to understand how do we take into consideration the responsibility we must maintain if we say we believe. And the Apostle Paul tells us how to do that. He said, let the word of Christ dwell within you with all wisdom and admonishing one another with songs and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your heart to God. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to him to God the Father. That's the verse. It closes, it says in 16 through 17, these words remind us of Christ, the Christ of the the hope of glory. We proclaim him admonishing every man and teaching every man with all wisdom so that we may present every man complete in Christ. This is what God is calling us to. This is how I want to protect us as the body of Christ. This is what God is calling us to step out in faith and become the body that he told us that he dresses us. And if he dresses us, then we have to understand what that looks like in order to affect, in order to take responsibility, in order to be that creation, in order to move in the rights and privileges as we are as a people, disregarding whatever it is that does not speak the truth. So any lie about any part of our race, any sex, any color, any position in our life that we are now living in, because we know what justice looks like from the natural man. Justice is not being solidified in the earth. 
because of the reason that we don't understand as a body, let alone the world, that the world more prudent with that justice. It's not even a problem anymore. It's not even an issue. It's not even something that, you know, they want to see to be the manifestation of the people's lives. We're, they, the world doesn't work for the people. The world works for themselves. The system is designed to keep the people from really understanding what justice is. But as believers, as we understand, we can now touch and agree for these things. We can touch and agree for what it is that God wants us to richly dwell in. His word teaches us with infinite wisdom. His word admonishes us. His word encourages us. He said, put a song in your heart and cause you to sing, cause us to sing with a thankful heart of God. The motive of every service and every time we come into fellowship or every time we um, try to figure about a spirit or every time, you know, we are in the presence of another believer, these are the things that we must continue to put on. Because the things that come to kill, steal, and destroy us is the things that we are not dead to. And as Christ said in his word, that you only tempt about what's in you. So if you don't have enough, if you don't have the position where you're not in the position to receive what it is that you have already said you believe in, there is not going to be any result of God's glory upon us. It's not going to be the result of us putting on and being obedient. These are not things you can choose from as believers. These are, okay, I'm going to be good today. I'm going to... Uh, put on mercy today. I'm put, no, we have to put, let God dress up with dress up. So he has to take off the old man. He can't miss the old with the new. So if you got on too many clothes, some of you don't have to You know, if you really sitting there and you got a whole lot of clothes and it's like 100 degrees outside, that comes the pressure. If this one, everything pressed on you on all sides and you sitting there and you don't look, you going to be coming. Whether you want to be kind or whether you want to be evil, whether you want to be good or bad, this is about to be destroyed. It comes destruction after that. What comes after you not being humble? What comes after you not um, forbearing or being forgiven? It's destruction. What comes after you not having long suffering or the humbleness of mind or meek? We don't want what comes after we have to make a decision because God said he put these things before us. It's just like he said, he put life and death before us. He tells us to choose to put on. He tells us to choose to live a new life with Christ. So as Paul begins to list these things, and he helps us to understand this is a list that must now become our lifestyle. He came to where God's judgment will fall upon us. If we do not mortify, if we do not put off the old man, if we continue to fall and disobey, he reminded the Colossians in this time that this is the way that they they used to live. As he's reminding us, he's telling us this is how they used to live. This is the ungodly life that belongs to the past. But we in this time of age, in this day of age, that God is speaking to us, it should be something that we consider in the month of August. Hallelujah. New beginning. That's why I say, listen to the apostles that speaking now. There were apostles that spoke back then, but apostles that are apostles have to the statement that she got all the titles to cover in the name of Jesus. Listen to the apostles now. She tells us in this holy communion. This is a new beginning. But now it makes the new beginning. And Paul was even in this time, encouraging them to put off so that you can receive the new beginning. The Christian is to take off. We Christians must take off the filth of the past, the dirtiness. And he told us to understand that specifically he gave us what to put off in Colossians. He gave us a way that we can understand how to now practice this justice. In Colossians, he led us to understand the names, the things that we must put off. We must put off anger. We must put off wrath, any sudden, passionate outburst of displeasure. He said we put off malice, blasphemy, the insult of talking against one's fellowship, the filthy communication, the bad or abusive speech. He tells us what to put off. 
But if we choose not to walk in truth and not believe what Paul is saying, then what does that make us? He tells the God that to his wrath upon his obedience. So in this hour, if we choose to not walk in the sin of falsehood, choose to not be singled out by the line that separates us from God's love, that separates us from giving a strong exhortation, we must not lie to one another. So it's not just us speaking, but our lifestyle can lie. If we go on forth and saying we in the church and we... Uh, in leadership, and we there Wednesday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, all the days of the week, and now our lifestyle outside of the church or outside of the building where we have come to congregate looks different. That's a lie. And no, nobody has to tell you. Because it looks like it. But now he's calling us as Christians that we must totally live this new life, this change in which he has put on. We put off the old man. And with the practices and habits, habits and characteristics that we put on, this is like the resurrection of Christ. This is like what it is to be, to be redeemed through Christ's blood. This is what we put on. We pulled off our grave clothes, so to say, and we left them behind in the tomb now. So now we have risen up with Christ. So what is God resurrecting in your life right now? What is he telling you that we have to live a new life that is not of old deeds and desire. And it speaks about it as in, in Colossians. So remember to go to Colossians and read it for yourself. Read the entire book of Colossians because it helps us to understand that in, in that time, Paul was telling them that the word of God, the gospel, the message of Christ to be a rich treasure for them become so deeply intense that it controls our thinking, it controls our attitude, it controls our action. And when God's word is deep down in your heart, Christ's presence causes you to conduct yourself wisely. It influences you by his insight and his instruction. And Paul always told well, Paul was telling them at the time that he wrote to this letter that God's word dwelling in your heart will also cause you to sing songs from the old testament, hymns and spiritual. And spirituals that was going back to this today, and those spiritual songs are the songs that were given by that mean those of, of spiritual life. And you begin to sing. It comes from a place inward, and you begin to see what it is. But I just want you to know in this time, as we close at our Bible study, our Sunday Bible study, just want to thank you for joining us. But all the things that God tells us in Colossians that Paul was trying to warn the people, do all these things in the name of Christ. And we are to always act as Christ's representative. Christ is to live through God's children. Those who have trusted him for their salvation and are eternally thankful. So we want to thank God for the reason of his word. We say thank you, Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, Lord, as we come to you. Thank you, Father, for saving us. Not by works of righteousness of what we have done, but according to your mercy, you have saved us, Lord, through the washing of regeneration and renewing of your spirit, Lord. Lord, we turn back to you to be restored, renewed, Father God, our days of, as of old, Father God. Lord, thank you, Lord, for a new creation. Being a new creation in Christ, the old things have passed away. And behold, all things have become new. Lord, we put the new self which is being renewed and knowledge after the image of you, Lord. We put it on in this hour. We thank you for restoring us with joy, Father God, your salvation, and upholding us in your generous Lord, we not conform to the world, but this, the ways of this world, Lord. But we pray that you will transform us by the renewing of our mind, that we may prove that your good, acceptable, and perfect will is. Thank you in the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. We just want to thank you again for joining the message of Christ Church. We have tuned in to our Sunday morning Bible study. We thank you for tuning in for a reading out of Colossians, the book of Colossians, chapter 3, verse 5 through 17, um, practicing justice. So continue to go forth in your day with that meditation upon your heart. We do want to continue to fight you for the month of August as it is our last week as we stand in agreement for personal communion 
the personal communion that you take on upon yourself or whatever it is God is speaking to you in this time so that you can begin to um, live freely by the blood of Christ. Um, if you have any questions or concerns pertaining to the ministry, feel free to call um, our local administrative line, which is 773-609-2071. At this time, we are definitely prayer request. So if you um, need prayer, please do call in. Please touch in as you as well can give up a personal answer, please. Please leave a message when you return your call. Please do continue to visit the website at messagechrist.net as well as www.sivyourfaithofministry.com. Please find us in the call. God bless you. Have a great day. We love you.
Your conference recording has stopped.